Thanks for joining us for our podcast, Putting It Together. My name is Christina Clayton, one of the co-directors of the Northwest Mental Health Technology Transfer Center. We are part of a national network to disseminate and implement evidence-based practices for mental health into the field. We are coming to you from Seattle, Washington, and our Northwest region covers Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. However, in this virtual world, we have connected with people from all over, and we are very grateful to connect with you today. One of our goals is to provide free training and technical assistance in mental health topics. And now we are offering a podcast because we were told there weren't many podcasts out these days. Just kidding. But truly, we hope you hear some useful information and or inspiration that helps you put it together when working in this challenging and amazing field we call mental health. You can find out more about us, including our live event calendar, free online courses, resource library, and newsletter sign up by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. Well, it's my great pleasure to sit down with Rebecca Demerell again today, specifically talking about supervisory support. And the topic that you shared with us is the wisdom to know the difference. Tell me what the wisdom to know the difference means to you and how that relates to someone in a leadership or a supervisory position. Well, you know, wisdom is the ability to see things clearly. It's a skill that we learn. It's, it's not about how smart we are, how educated we are, how many letters we have after our name. It's it's just a, a skill that we learn with time. And as uh, supervisors or leaders, we may have been thrown into that position without even really feeling like we were exactly ready for it or wanting it. And it may feel like a great honor. It might feel like a burden. It might feel like, oh my God, right? Here I am in this position. But Nonetheless, there we are charged with making decisions and supervising others and trying to figure out what are the right choices that we make, you know, using our head, using our heart, using our gut. And how do we know the difference between those? And we have our thinking brain and we have our survival brain and then something in the middle, which is maybe the integration of those two things is, is our hearts. That's something that we learn as time goes on through our awareness awareness equals agency. This is where when we become aware of what we're thinking and feeling and how we're relating to others and how we're making the decisions that we do, what part of us is running the show? Is it our gut instincts or these survival instincts of, you know, this is something that I need to rely on because my life is threatened? Or is it the other pole of, yeah, this is my thinking brain where my logic and my executive functions of, you know, memory and emotional regulation comes from. Neither one of those is a place to put all of our stuff, right? All of our decisions shouldn't come only from one side or the other, but they do. We are only human. And as supervisors, there are times when we feel like the decisions that we make and the things that we have to ask others to do may feel like they're actually coming from a survival place in us. And so I guess that's where I would start with just the awareness and cultivating the awareness, because through our awareness comes our agency and agency is our ability to choose and not be driven by one side of us or the other. Fantastic. And I think to this day, we all 
report to someone. We all have folks perhaps for in a supervisory role that are looking to us for leadership, are looking to us for direction. And I'm just noticing as you're describing, you know, how do we make decisions? And probably some of the toughest things you have as a supervisor is when you have to implement things you didn't choose, even mm. that you wouldn't choose. And certainly no one would choose a pandemic. You know, no one would choose to be facing, you know, war in our world. No one would be choosing to be uh, dealing with racism and oppression and genderism and, you know, all these things. But also as a supervisor, sometimes you have to implement, and I imagine this has happened a lot for folks during this two-year debacle of having to do things that isn't the way you would choose. And so that also, always hurts. But I think you really hit on something earlier around how do you feel about being a supervisor at this moment? Now, every, every day will not be puppy dogs and puffy clouds and rainbows, obviously. And I think you're correct. I think a lot of folks didn't know what we were getting into when we got into supervision. We had an idea of what that job may be. How do you imagine people should examine that if it's feeling like a burden, if it's not feeling like an honor? Again, it may change in a given day, it may change in a month, mm -hmm. um, but ideally it's not only burden. How can one check in with themselves about how they are feeling about this and, and getting in touch with why they wanted to be a supervisor in the first place? If they chose it, <laughs> we're hoping that most people have gotten at least that choice. Well, checking in is the key thing, right? Checking in with ourselves. And when I was in counseling school, we learned this exercise and I've done that in webinars before. It's just say, when we feel something strongly, what's the matter, baby? What do you need? And when we feel something strongly, it's, it's always related to the past. It's we can always trace it back. Sometimes it's pretty murky, especially when there's been a lot of trauma. Things tend to get uh, murky and muddled in our memories. So sometimes it takes time, and especially it's helpful to speak with somebody. This is where counseling can be really helpful um, when you're in a supervisory position. If you find yourself feeling muddled or having real uh, difficulties or being triggered um, with decision-making or managing other people, then it's probably something from your past that's coming up. And I say coming up to be healed, right? It's coming up for you because you're ready to see it. And here it is. Here it is. It's a gift. So recognize it as that and see what you can do with it. Now, in the moment, it may just be like a big blur and, you know, impossible to kind of decipher. And that's fine. That's why, you know, at the end of the day, take note, maybe write down some notes of what it was that was easy or what it was that was difficult and what your thought processes were, and then work with that on your time off. As supervisors, we have an enormous responsibility to the people that we're working with, and this responsibility has been given to us to supervise. So that's a gift too. And yeah, it can feel like a burden, but it also compels us to continue to unearth whatever has been buried for a long time and let that see the light of day. And that's where our healing comes from. And the beautiful part about that is that it trickles down. It always trickles down. Our healing trickles down to the people that we are supervising and it changes the culture of the place that we're working with. And that changes our communities and it changes our world. I love that feeling and you're right, you know, we need to do our own work always. And ideally, we've had some practice at that before getting into a supervisory role. 
I remember you and I discussed sort of the different decision-making styles. And I think we all have circled through all of those and just looking at, at some of the notes you shared around, you know, are you feeling like your knee-jerk reactions, your, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, never mind. Um, I, you know, you want to please everyone. That's got to be for especially new supervisors. It's so uncomfortable to be charged with. You're excited for this opportunity. But the first time you get a poor reaction or someone doesn't like the message you're sending, it's almost mortally wounding, you know, and then add to that everything else that people are are facing right now. Then you can flip to the other side, I guess, and some, I don't want to liken it to parenting, but I think we have difficult feelings and we feel bad. And so we don't want to impose things we maybe don't agree with or wish weren't true or fair, or we get real stern and we start saying, well, never mind. You know, it's my way of the highway. I think you said very sanctimonious. And then you have that balanced. And so tell me what you've heard or what you've seen over the years or experienced yourself around how the different ways we learn to make decisions as supervisors can get us to that balanced state that ideally (laughs) we usually use, but uh, I think it's more, a little bit more chaotic than that for most of us. You know, whenever uh, I say, you know what, whenever I start a sentence with, you know what, that's when everybody needs to run because that's when I'm sort of putting my foot down. And, and that's usually the survival brain that's, that's running things. I say usually because not always. Sometimes that's just a fierce integration of the thinking uh, mind and the survival mind, the survival gut instincts. Sometimes those things coalesce and give us this really fierce knowing and wisdom and awareness. And that's one thing. So And how to know the difference between that fierce awareness and that gut instinct, you know, survival instinct running the show. That's the real trick. And that, again, just comes with noticing and having a little lightness too. having a little lightness, being willing to make a mistake, being willing to not do things perfectly, being able to say, I'm sorry. Just it's so hard when we we are in a a management position, we think that we have to have all the answers and be right all the time. And that's just not the case. A really good leader, and we seldom see an example of this in, in leadership, but a really good leader is able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong about that. I was out to lunch. And thank you for helping me do that, because together we're better and stronger and we collaborate when we're connected. We do make mistakes and I love making mistakes myself. I love finding out that the thing that I thought that I was so right about turns out to not be right because then I see if I especially have if I had a lot of anxiety about it, then I get to see if this thing I was so anxious and right and strident about was not the thing that I thought it was. What comes up is, oh, that was my survival brain hijacking my executive functions of my thinking brain. That was that I thought that I, my life depended on being right when I got really hard about it. It's the difference between a a closed fist and an open palm. You know, a closed fist is ready to fight and it's holding everything tightly, but no air or light gets in there. But when we just open our hands, even just doing this exercise of opening your hand right now, it's open to receive, it's open to give, and it's open to the, the lightness. It's, yeah. it's philosophical. Yes, it's spiritual work that we're doing. It's spiritual work that we're doing as leaders, as supervisors, as managers. 
we're not just doing a job. We're learning something for ourselves and we're modeling something to the people that we're working with. It's, it's spiritual deep work. Well, and I wanted to get back to that. You're talking about the ripple effects of our leadership styles and no one will get it right all the time. And I think certainly we're going to experience, especially as newer supervisors, finding your your center of needing to do what's needed as a leader, which sometimes isn't pleasant. And at the same time, being open and having that dialogue and at least being transparent around why and not feeling like you have to have all the answers because that's not realistic. But I do think it's always been a helpful exercise when people have asked, who was your favorite or not favorite supervisor that you had? So as a leader, what were those experiences that you had that as someone who was leading you, what were those experiences that really felt like you could blossom, that you were being heard, that yes, you had to be accountable for things, but you also had a little bit of creativity in your work. You know, I know all these depend on the kind of job you have and it's not all possible, but I think when we look back, you know, you've talked about so many things coming from our past. Sometimes we've learned tips and tricks we didn't even know. And sometimes they aren't the greatest ones. <laughs> so you talked about a culture at an agency or culture at a, in an office. What are we learning all along in our journey as a career? And so by the time we become a supervisor, what are those things we've picked up even unconsciously that we somehow equate with leadership that may or may not be productive? And so it's never too late, obviously, but thinking about what kind of environment do we want to promote for ourselves and our teams? So mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I agree. That's really important. Yeah. A little earlier, you just mentioned parenting. And I do think that we learn a lot from how we were parented. We learn a lot of the styles of how we relate to others, especially, and, and you see little kids, and you can tell by the way they play with one another, how they were parented, how they're being parented, whether they're being bossy and mean to the other kid. Well, they learned that from somewhere. And as supervisors, not to oversimplify it, but really, it's almost like we're in a parental role because we are modeling something by our own behavior that trickles down to the other folks that we are working with, the people that we're supervising. And this contributes to the workplace culture. Yeah, we do learn, and not just from parenting, you know, our, our peers, you know, especially teenagers are very susceptible from uh, what is learned from their peer groups and then how they choose to relate. And then we learn this as adults from our peers and we, we learn it in the workplace, but we learn it from the media even. We learn it from the shows and the movies that we watch and we learn it from our political leaders I mean, a lot of the unrest that's happening in the world is a direct result of people looking to political leaders and then parroting some of the things that they've learned there. And that overrides uh, some of what their, their own deep knowing is. Again, it's this awesome responsibility of being in a you know, leadership position where we need to be clear with ourselves do our own work, continue uh, just monitoring and being wise with our own decisions in our life so that we model a behavior to people that we work with that's, that's helpful and healing. No, I appreciate that. And I just thinking about, you know, as, as supervisors, managers, leaders, 
what would we ideally want folks to describe us as? And and this is not meant to be a do all this to get accolades, do all this for the fame and glory, which we know we don't get in the social services and mental health field, the high pay, the fame. Yeah, that's not why we're doing this. And we shouldn't do it for praise and we shouldn't do it for, you know, a lot of things. But if we think about who have been inspiring leaders to us, who, and I, and I do not mean to keep relating this to parenting, but it, but it's so powerful in the sort of positive discipline book and readings. Why do we think we would make someone do better if we make them feel worse? It's such a simple thing and it goes for ourselves. I'm sure we've all had a boss or somebody really put us in a bad way or feel really awful. And it just very motivating to not ever experience that again. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to make mistakes. And, and what you said earlier is so powerful. If you just can acknowledge, gosh, this was a very stressful situation for me. And I hadn't faced this before. I was feeling really torn and I'm really sorry that I sort of lashed out or that I was too curt in the meeting, or I wasn't listening when you're trying to share something with me. It's so powerful when we can do that. And we learn more the next time. And we learn maybe we can't rush and rush and rush to the next thing and hold all the weight of the world on our shoulders. We need our outlets too, you know, and we model that as you're saying, how we take care of ourselves. I hear that a lot in events and arenas that we're talking about. I was guilty of this too, working through lunch because you're so busy. And then everyone thinks, oh, I guess we're not supposed to take lunch little different these days for some of us that are, you know, in this weird remoting kind of situation. But when you're running around in the community, you, you still need to take some time to reset and um, even, even as a supervisor where you feel like so many things are dependent on you, but they're dependent on you being balanced and I guess wise, right back to the, to the topic to be able to handle what comes at you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just sort of rambling some thoughts that I appreciate the topic. And I really appreciate talking about supervision and leadership uh, with you. I know you've been inspiring to so many of us and I really appreciate your time. Any final thoughts for leaders before we we sign off today? Well, again, I I just thank everybody who is in uh, the position of leadership. It is an incredibly inspiring place to be if we allow it to be. And like anything, when we pay close attention to what we're doing and gentle close attention, um, it helps to strengthen our awareness. And that is what helps us become clear. And when we're clear, we're wise. It's a lifelong purpose and a, a lifelong pursuit of just cultivating that wisdom and awareness. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Rebecca. You can find resources related to the episode in our show notes. So be sure to check those out. Learn more about us by visiting our website at mhttcnetwork.org backslash Northwest. You can also follow us on social media at NWMHTTC. This broadcast is brought to you by the Northwest MHTTC, which is funded by the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, or SAMHSA. However, the content does not necessarily reflect the views of SAMHSA. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to connecting with you again so we can keep putting it together. Take care.